One minute. In the year of our Lord, 1314, patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen. And won their freedom.
Nick? Hi, Jen. I'm Aaron Russo. I produced the movie Trading. Is this a joke? Am I going to make No, 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 joke. Okay, no, 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 no. I produced the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and The Rose with Ben Midler. Many movies. I'm doing a feature film. And uh, my film is about my quest to find out whether or not people pay income taxes. Do you pay an income tax? Yes, I do. You do? Yeah. Have you ever seen a law that requires you to pay an income tax? Have I ever read it? You mean in the page is black and white? No. Yeah. No. So you pay the income tax, I assume? Uh, of late. Well, actually, no, I didn't file last year, but... Uh, okay. I'm sorry, is this on film? No, I paid my tax. My question to you is, have you ever seen a law that says you have to pay an income tax? The law is that guy that wears that badge and a gun. That's the one that puts you in jail. That's the law. Actually, I can't stand the IRS. They're evil. Do you have any fear of the IRS? Um, not, not really, because I'm Canadian. I think it's actually unconstitutional, is what I've heard. <gasps> but, um, but to avoid any hassle, I pay it. If there was no law and I wasn't afraid of them coming and taking me to jail, absolutely, I wouldn't pay taxes. Okay, then no, I wouldn't pay income taxes. Oh. It's a no-brainer. You wouldn't pay it. I wouldn't pay it. Why would anybody? Because, they, you know, that's, that's what they tell us we must do, else we're bad Americans. Would you pay it? No. Would you pay it? No. Why no. would you pay taxes if you don't have to? What if I told you that all your money that the income tax pay, that's paid into the income tax just goes to pay the interest on the national debt? That's incredible. That's yeah. truly incredible. I thought it was for infrastructure and all the other stuff. The income tax is not legal because it would be a direct tax and it is not apportioned as the Constitution demands. If it's against the Constitution, then why are we doing it? Anyone, they could show the law. And to me, $50,000 is a lot of money. So I went after that. 
and did the research based on the fact that I thought, let's put this baby to bed. I'm hearing all these rumors. You know, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'll answer these people's questions they're asking me, and then I'll win this $50,000. And, you know, based on the research that I did throughout the year 2000 and that I'm still doing, I have not found that law. I've asked uh, Congress. We've asked a lot of people in the IRS, the IRS commissioners, helpers. They can't answer because if they answer, the American people are going to know that this whole thing is a fraud. I was surprised to hear these highly trained and decorated IRS agents telling me there was no law requiring American citizens to file a 1040 or to pay an income tax on their labor. I haven't uh, filed an income, federal income tax return since I left. I have not filed a tax return since 1999. Approximately 67 million people don't file an income tax return. I made a decision to go to Washington so I could attend the We the People Foundation press conference. They were going to serve a class action lawsuit on the IRS, signed by over 3,000 people, because the IRS has refused to show the law that makes Americans liable to file a 1040 or to pay an income tax on their labor. I was very curious as to why the IRS refused to show the law, as it seems such a simple thing to do. Yet I was skeptical about the Foundation's claims. There had to be a law, right? I mean, we've all been told over and over and over again that we had to pay income taxes. No answers! No taxes! No Most people believe that the income tax system is legal and that the revenue from the tax is used in the public interest. However, there is a substantial, conclusive body of evidence that proves that our income tax system represents the most pernicious form of tyranny. It is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated by government against the working men and women of America. American citizens, along with the Foundation, have been asking the IRS to specifically provide them with the, the underlying legal foundation upon which they administer and enforce the personal income tax laws in our country. At the national level, when people would attempt to contact somebody of a much higher authority, say the, cons uh, the commissioner, same kind of thing, uh, they, wouldn't get, they would get answers that were, in effect, non-answers. There are people standing outside today who uh, assert that no law requires to pay taxes and that you will not answer their petition to the government uh, as to whether they're required to pay taxes. Are they required to pay taxes? I've been paying my taxes ever since. Hi, my name is Ali, uh -oh. and I would like you to give you a few reasons why you should consider dating a young slave. So I had my first job, and I think it, it's, a, it's a fundamental uh, construct of our nation that, that those of us who um, expect and demand the services from our government that the government provides, be they the protection of our country through the military, or be they uh, the education of our children, or be they the protection of our environment, that, that we must pay for those services. So yes, I think there is a fundamental obligation and uh, that, that it's an understood and well-accepted one. Joe Bannister and I had a meeting in the White House with President Clinton's economic advisor, Jason Furman. He accepted the remonstrance for the president. On June 2nd, I called and spoke with him. His words were, we have decided that the issue of the legality of the income tax is not a high priority matter for the White House. 
and we will not be participating in any conference on the subject. Right. We can't be so fixated on our desire to preserve the rights. Legal opponents of President Bill Clinton were singled out for tax audits. I decided not to eat until my death or until the government agreed to send their experts to meet with the experts from the tax honesty movement and with the help of Congressman Bartlett a deal was made. I'm very pleased that through these uh, several trying weeks and now months that we have secured the uh, agreement of the IRS and the Justice Department because some of the questions are beyond the purview of IRS that they will both attend a uh, public symposium where these issues can be formally uh, addressed. Last Thanksgiving, DOJ and IRS notified Congressman Bartlett that they would not participate. Congressman Bartlett then waited until late January. He informed me that he would not be participating. And why do you think you've been able to get away with not paying or filing your income taxes for so long? Well, first of all, I've not gotten away with anything. I'm not hiding from anyone. I'm simply asking the IRS to show me the laws that apparently require me to do these things, and they are suspiciously uh, reticent to answer questions from me, and of course there are millions of other people uh, many other organizations who have attempted to get answers, they act very suspiciously when asked to simply sit down at the table with the American people and discuss what their obligations are. Rather than pulling up a chair, they pull out a club. As a matter of fact, David K. Johnston of the New York Times asked Terry Lemons of the IRS, why won't the IRS answer the questions set forth in the petitions from the American people? Mr. Lemon's response was, the government is answering the questions through enforcement actions in the courts. Mm -hmm. This is a very chilling remark on the government's use of brute force yeah. instead of civility and logic. No. The federal government itself refuses to provide the American people who are coercively being subjected to this extraction of their private property without any underlying legal justification. There is no law, there is no law that requires the average American worker in the private sector to pay a direct unapportioned tax on their labor and compensation for services. There is no law. The march will stop in front of the IRS building. They are now going to serve a class action lawsuit on the IRS. Big deal. Very courageous. My name is Charles Bell. I'm here to serve this complaint on behalf of the American people for the Internal Revenue Service. The complaint is accompanied by an affidavit um, under the hand of uh, Robert Schultz. Okay, sir, uh, we'll call you with the case number. case has been filed. We'll call you with the case number. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. America, baby! Freedom! Today, effectively, the people have said to their servant government that, um, that our rights are not going to be any longer denied, 
and that we're going to have answers to our petition, our legitimate lawful petitions for redress of grievances, which are guaranteed in the First Amendment to our Constitution. So once and for all, we will get an answer. On August 31, 2005, federal judge Emmett Sullivan ruled the government does not have to answer the American people's questions, even though it is guaranteed in the First Amendment. Our courts have made a decision that government does not have to show the law that it enforces. And the press never reported on this. Have we given this judge the authority to overrule the Constitution, the very foundation of American life? None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. I believe that in both spirit and substance, our tax system has come to be un-American. Death and taxes may be inevitable, but unjust taxes are not. The country's taxes must be fixed, and I know what to do with it. If you think you're paying too much, now just wait or I get through with it. I'd like to ask you something. Mm -hmm. What does the government do with all the money we give them in taxes? When President Reagan was elected, one of the first things that he did was appoint a blue ribbon panel of, of business people headed by Peter Grace and is commonly referred to as the Grace Commission. And they, their job was to research uh, all the various areas of the federal government and make a report. One of the quotes from the Grace Commission is, 100% of what is collected is absorbed solely by interest on the federal debt. All individual income tax revenues are gone before one nickel is spent on the services <laughs> taxpayers expect from government. If we pay the salaries of the congressmen and the senators, we're supporting them, aren't we? Well, Trump. Yes. Yeah. Well, then why can't we list them as dependents and deduct them? <laughs> been brainwashed. People have been told, you know, that you need this income tax system to fund government, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, my question is, well, if that's true, how did we fund government from 1776 to 1913? The main purpose of the income tax is not to raise revenue, but to redistribute wealth and to control society. A lot of people uh, might say, well, gee, if there wasn't an income tax, what would happen to education? They don't understand that education is paid for, for the most part, out of state and local taxes, your property taxes. People might say, well, how are we going to build and maintain our highways? If there's no money coming in to the government, we need our highways. There is a tax on every gallon of gasoline that people buy. Proceeds from the income tax do not pay for highway construction. The amount of money that we spend on defense is exactly equal to the amount of corporate income tax which is quite legal and quite constitutional. I think we should not want the income tax for several reasons. One is that it is the instrument of totalitarianism. It is the means by which the government can manipulate people and put you into a condition of, of servitude. Every year, you give the federal government a, a form that says, here's how my money worked. If you lie, you could go to prison. Right. So you're required to give them a financial statement that under, you know, the force of law could put you in prison if it's not impeccable, right? And you under the law, they're people. supposed to do the same. They're you supposed to give you back a financial statement that says, here's what we did with your money, slaves. except you comply and they don't. In fiscal uh, 99, the Department of Defense had $1.1 of undocumentable obey. adjustments. Obey.
The following year, they had $2.3 trillion of undocumentable adjustments. I decided to call the IRS. I spoke to Anthony Burke in media relations. He was very nice to me, and I explained to him that I was an award-winning film producer and that I was doing a documentary on the IRS. He seemed a bit stunned by this, then explained to me that Commissioner Everson nor anybody else would go on film to discuss the income tax. But he did say he would call me back. I thanked him for that, but I couldn't help wondering, why was the government making it so difficult for people to see the law? So I decided to bring my crew down to the IRS building to see if I could find some employees to interview. And here's what happened. I think you have to me, that's it. Who, 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 who are you to tell me I can't film here? What's the law? Just tell me where the law is that says that. Can you show me the law that says I can't film here? Is America a free country? I told them they couldn't film here, and he's asking nine million questions. I told him that's the federal government law. Hey, I told him he couldn't film here. He told me he's a citizen and all that. So he told me I couldn't film here. He's saying, where's the law that says I can't film here? And I'm asking, I'm asking another question, sir. Then Homeland Security showed up. Oh, yeah. Because I was such a threat to Washington. That's right. You got a driving license, though? Yeah, I do. <laughs> After convincing Homeland Security I really wasn't Osama bin Laden, I kept wishing the IRS would allow me to interview somebody. Well, why wouldn't they show the law? What were they so nervous about? I began to have a frightening thought. What if it was our own government we had to be afraid of? That's right. With that disturbing thought in my mind, I went to see a group of tax experts. You can look through the statute and look for the law that requires you to pay. And when you do that, you can't identify a law that requires the average person in America who earns a wage and works in private business to pay an income tax. The Constitution allows for two kinds of taxes. They're called direct and indirect. The federal government in the Constitution can tax almost anything, as long as it apportions the tax if it's direct. You will obey. 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 The indirect tax is, a, is for example, an excise tax. I can avoid the excise tax on gasoline. I can choose to ride my bicycle. I can avoid the excise tax on tobacco. I can choose not to smoke, or I can grow my own tobacco. Privilege. It's a privilege. The income tax, which is being applied now, doesn't meet the criteria of either direct or indirect taxes. The IRS claims that in 1913, the 16th Amendment, the Income Tax Amendment, allowed the government a third form of taxation. What was the Supreme Court's ruling on that? The Supreme Court in the case of Stanton versus Baltic Mining. I mean, what could be clearer than this? The provisions of the 16th Amendment conferred no new power of taxation. The Ruschauber case also said that the 16th Amendment did not impose any new taxes and did not change any of the taxing restrictions of the Constitution. There were also several other major Supreme Court cases in that same period from 1916 up until about 1923. Stratton Independence versus Hobart, Southern Pacific versus Lowe, Bowers versus Curbo Empire, Burnett versus Harmel, Doyle versus Mitchell. It's actually very simple. Congress tried to enact an income tax in 1894. The Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. When the Supreme Court says something is unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. 
They tried again in 1913, and the Supreme Court said the 16th Amendment conferred no new power of taxation. So if they didn't have it then, and they didn't get it, they don't have it. There is no constitutional basis for a tax on the wages of Americans living and working in the 50 states of the Union. Period. End of argument. I have a letter here from Daniel Inouye's office of the United States Senate that says, based on the research performed by the Congressional Research Service, there is no provisions which specifically and unequivocally require an individual to pay an income tax. Period. End of story. There is no law, and to date, nobody has been able to show that there is a law for the average American citizen working day in and day out to pay an income tax. The definition of income in the Constitution was given in the Eisner versus McCumber case, and it turns on gains or profits that are made from some activity. Doyle versus Mitchell, 247 U.S. 179. 1918. Here's what he said. The idea of gain or increase arising from corporate activities. In other words, it doesn't mean wages, it doesn't mean dividends, it doesn't mean alimony. It means a gain or a profit arising from corporate activity. These liens that are recorded against people by the government for tax liens are nothing more than allegations. They are non-substantive. They have never been determined by a neutral third party, such as a court, to have one shred of validity. If you ever get a notice of, a, of, of an audit or anything else, the first thing you should do is a Freedom of Information Act request for records that they're using to substantiate or justify the audit. There is nothing in the Internal Revenue Code that creates any such thing as an income tax evasion or crime. There's nothing in the code that allows IRS agents to seize property. The government is involved in judicial blackmail. The government knows that if it legally seizes somebody's property, that person doesn't have the funds and he can't even get a lawyer who can help him. I conducted investigations in the uh, Title 18 the Criminal Code, the U.S. Criminal Code. And in there, the statutes and the regulations are very specific as to what's violating the statute in the Internal Revenue Code, Title 26, there's nothing specific in there. I mean, even the FBI's fear of the IRS. You have to understand that an agency which will unlawfully impose a tax that doesn't exist is not going to care if we, the people, don't know what our rights are. They're not going to tell us. If Americans just learned that the IRS was actually knowingly deceiving them, that that enough that would be enough for them to rise up and put a stop to it. This small booklet includes the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, rise the Declaration up. of Independence. Oh, we got to watch football. This is a document that every citizen should read. It's a document which freed an entire fun. nation. I want to have fun. This is the Internal Revenue Code. And this document, and it, the unlawful application of this document by the Internal Revenue Service has enslaved the nation that this document attempted to free. I was very impressed with the people in the tax honesty movement. They weren't kooks. They were highly intelligent, well-researched, and very genuine. I was wondering why I never heard about all these Supreme Court decisions in the media. So I really wanted the IRS's point of view, because to get the true story, it was imperative I hear both sides. I kept wishing Anthony Burke would call me back. He seemed like an honest man. 
I then proceeded to call my message machine. Hi, this message is for Aaron Russo. This is Anthony Burke at the Internal Revenue Service. Let me uh, suggest uh, some people that you might want to think about talking to. Uh, one would be Don Alexander, who's a former commissioner who's here in town in Washington. Uh, another would be Sheldon Cohen, who is uh, both a former commissioner and former uh, chief counsel. All those guys, I think, can answer your question about, you know, uh, where in the tax law it says that you have to pay taxes. Wow, good news, I thought. So I called Sheldon Cohen because he used to be the IRS commissioner. He wrote the tax code, and he was also general counsel to the IRS. He is a true expert, and I couldn't find a better person to answer my questions. Amen. He graciously agreed to my interview. The reason I'm doing this documentary is because there are many people in America today who believe that there's no law that requires them to pay an income tax or file a 1040. And there are many people going to jail for it, fighting over it. The Internal Revenue Code is authorized by the 16th Amendment. I think it should be clarified. I, don't, I, don't, I think government should be transparent to the people. Why doesn't the IRS commissioner sit down with them and just explain it in clear English? Why? I don't think they really care. They don't think, I, th I think they're just playing word games. You don't think they're sincere people? You know? No, I don't think they're sincere people. What does voluntary compliance mean? And why does the IRS code say it's voluntary to comply, not mandatory? That's a word, euphemism. We use, we, we use voluntary compliance when we, when, we, when we talk about traffic signals. Most people, at 2 o'clock in the morning, do you stop at a red light? Yeah. Is there a cop there? Well, sometimes I don't. Well, I do, I do, and most of us do. Most of us do. Right. Um, but that's voluntary compliance. That was a complete perversion of logic. Traffic laws state that it is mandatory to stop at a red light. The IRS code says it's voluntary to comply. Mandatory and voluntary are the complete opposite of each other. Yet he wants us to believe that they mean the same thing.
I believe that a man's labor is his private property. That's your view, but it's not the law. The Supreme Court's even said your labor is your private property. When I go to work for somebody, it's a trade. It's an even exchange. I do some work, you give me some money.
then the former IRS commissioner, now working at a prestigious Washington law firm, threatens me. Ah, watch. Aaron, you understand Yiddish, Cornish to Helfen. For those of you who don't understand Yiddish, that means nothing will help you. Now it all became clear. I understood why the IRS wouldn't go on camera and talk about where the law was. I understood why all the senators I called refused to be interviewed. There is no law. And now you know what our political leaders and the courts have known for decades and have tried to cover up. The United States Constitution strictly forbids a direct, unapportioned tax on the wages and salaries of American citizens. The United States Supreme Court has consistently ruled that the income tax is a tax on profits and gains, not on labor and wages. On behalf of the American people, I challenge the IRS to show me a statute that allows a direct, unapportioned tax on the wages and labor of the American people. And if I'm wrong, I will give my most humble apologies to the IRS. If the IRS is wrong, and there is no law, then every person who's been jailed should be let out of jail immediately, and any asset seized should be returned to their rightful owners. If this is a nation of laws and a free country, then the IRS should show the law to the American people. I felt an overwhelming need to understand why juries were finding innocent people guilty of not filing a tax return when there was no law requiring them to do so. So I went to talk to Marcy Brooks, a juror who used her common sense and did not allow the judge to rear the jury into a guilty verdict. He was being tried for four counts of not filing his income tax. Okay. And our question was, well, what is to decide? Either he did or he didn't. It never occurred to us that he might actually be innocent while at the same time not filing. In the federal government, it is not a felony not to file taxes. Finally, they said, okay, if we're going to get this guy, we're going to have to put it in the state. They called up the IRS agent. Agent Craner. Turn, and I'll be glad to do it. And again, I ask, under what is the requirement? 
that you claim under the Flight Duty Statute. And the requirement under the regulations is what section? My question to you is, what particular act are we discussing here when I'm liable to do these things that you claim I'm liable to do? Your exact question would be again. Okay, what is the section that what? But I guess I'm still not understanding your question, Mr. Allen. Well, you must be familiar with what that you have the police power to enforce. The prosecutor absolutely ignored it. And he started slandering Mr. Harrell. Just started attacking his character. They're calling us tax cheats. They're calling us fanatics. They're calling us weirdos. I don't care what you call me, but I have one question. Where is the law? Show me the law. Can't let this turn into a rational debate because if they do, they lose it. So they have to insult people and say it's frivolous. We felt like that there was an overall arrogance and that they were railroading Mr. Harrell and wanting us to participate. Judge Coogan, he looked right at us and he said, I will instruct the jury according to the law. We were sent to deliberation. The judge promised us that he would give us the law. And we looked and we looked and it was not there. We wrote a note to the judge asking for a copy of the law. Ten minutes later, we get a note back. You have everything you need. But there was no law. And he had promised us. At that point, I felt betrayed. I felt like this man promised us the law and that's what this whole thing is about, the law. We request it and he still denies us the law. And the reason they didn't do it was why? Because there is no law. Remember, we're talking about the Illinois state law here, which is a law in Illinois. So we got out that law and we read it several times and I said, okay, wait, wait, wait. Because they kept saying, but this is a law in Illinois. And I said, look at the beginning of it. It says, anyone required to file a federal income tax return is required to file an Illinois tax return. I said, if it is true that he's not required to file a federal return, then that nullifies the Illinois law. Two people, they kept saying, but he's going to get by with it. And I said, what is he getting by with but his rights? If there is no law, he's not breaking a law. He's just standing on his rights. Are we going to deny him that? That's when this one juror sat back and kind of rolled his eyes and he said, you mean we don't have to pay taxes? All of a sudden we realized that this trial was much bigger and the ramifications of this trial were going to be so broad if it actually got out. I mean, it's like we had just discovered this great government secret. And so when we came out for the delivering of the verdict, the judge was, I'm sure, even at this point, I'm sure he still thought we would pass given guilty verdict. 
And the reason I say that is because of the look on his face when the first not guilty was read. His face just turned white. I mean, it's like, I don't believe this. The second time, you could hear people out in the audience, just in the courtroom, you know, just going, wow, you know. And the judge is just getting red in the face. I mean, he was just livid. Why wasn't and the judge got up and left. <clears throat> I sat there, and I thought, this truly is a victory for the people. And I have never felt more patriotic. And I knew that we had done the right thing. I looked at that man, Mr. Harrell, and I thought, the system might not work all the time. But this time, for that man, it did. In November 2004, the government arrested former IRS criminal investigator Joe Bannister. They charged him with fraud for telling the American people the truth about the income tax laws. The jury obviously agreed with Joe. Well, it just showed Mr. Bannister to be honest and straightforward and working within the law. Vernus Coogan, a Federal Express pilot, claimed there was no law requiring Americans to file an income tax. She also won in court. Twenty-four people were criminally charged by the IRS because they claimed there was no law requiring them to file an income tax return. The fact is neither the judge nor the prosecutor nor the IRS could bring that statute in there because it's not in the books. And the jury came back with an acquittal for everyone. Everyone should be arrested. When the matter is put to the test, uh, which means in terms of court and enforcement action, uh, there is a 100% success rate in shooting down these arguments. The mafia has a code, and they follow it, and it's a code of honor. But the IRS has no code of honor. The IRS selectively audits taxpayers who were poor and vulnerable. They routinely fabricated evidence against taxpayers. They encouraged agents to stick it to taxpayers. Meet Judge Dawson, a federal judge presiding over the Irwin Schiff tax case, who denied Irwin the ability to prove to a jury that there was no law requiring Americans to file an income tax return. He denied Irwin the right to prove to a jury there was no law by stating, I will not allow the law in my courtroom. But the judge made sure the government never had to show the law as written by telling the jury, you must follow the law as I give it to you. Nobody can know what the law is because the law is what the judges say the law is. The lower courts today will not allow people, in, especially in tax cases, to bring in Supreme Court decisions as their evidence. federal judge railroading an American citizen by saying Supreme Court decisions are irrelevant. And again, nothing from the press defending our freedoms. Erwin Schiff was found guilty and sentenced to 13 years in prison for a non-crime. 
So if you ever find yourself as a juror on a task case, be sure to ask the judge to show you the statute written by Congress that allows the government to tax the wages of the American people. If the judge can't show you the law, then how can you possibly, in good conscience, convict someone and destroy their life? Because that's America. <clears throat> the pages of history shine in instances. The jury's exercise of the Let's see how the IRS treated one of America's greatest heroes and someone I cherished as a child. Joe Lewis was an American icon. Victorious in his first 27 fights, the Brown Bomber quickly rose to heavyweight champion of the world. His 1938 knockout of German Max Schmeling, who represented Hitler's Aryan ideal, earned him the admiration of millions of Americans. Right after Pearl Harbor was bombed, Joe had a title fight where he donated his fee to Navy War Relief. Well, I'm not waiting for nothing. I'm waiting for my country, and I think that's about the greatest piece of work that anybody can do. Well, I certainly agree with you for that, but you're turning over an awful lot of money. Well, uh, we all turn over a whole lot for this country this, at this time. Joe volunteered for the segregated army and defended his title while in the service, this time donating his normal fee to Army Relief. I've only done what any red blood American would do. Since the checks were in Joe's name, the IRS taxed him on their full amount, even though he never saw a penny of it. At the end of the war, Joe was awarded the Legion of Merit. But what most people didn't know was that the IRS was charging him $50,000 a year in interest alone on his debt. When Joe's beloved mother died, leaving him $600, the IRS immediately seized it. <laughs> they also confiscated all of his children's trust funds. Joe was forced to continue fighting until he was 37 and out of shape, just to pay off his ever-mounting debt to the IRS, which grew to $1 million, $100,000 a year, just in interest. At the end of his life, Joe was forced to become a greeter at a Las Vegas hotel just to make ends meet. It was a shameful thing to see a man like him, great fighter, great human being, being humiliated and, and destroyed in this manner because, after all, when you owe Internal Revenue money, no matter what you have, they take away from you. And they took a lot away from Joe Lewis. That's right. They will. Former German opponent Max Schilling paid for Joe's funeral. <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. That's America. I made a decision to drive to Virginia Beach from Washington because I had heard stories about two law-abiding families who had been brutalized by the IRS. They were falsely accused by their bookkeeper of being drug smugglers and tax cheats. And incredibly to me, without any investigation, the IRS proceeded to raid their place of business and their homes, even though they had done absolutely nothing wrong. On Saturday morning, four different raiding parties proceeded to raid four locations on a Saturday, the day before Easter. I was the manager on duty, and I was up in the deli, and people came through the door. How many came through the door? Maybe about 15 to 20 people. 15 to 20 yes. armed agents. With dogs, with guns. They made me get everybody, everybody in the, they went in the kitchen, they went in the deli, they went all over the whole restaurant, told 
told all the customers, took forks out of their hands while they were eating their breakfast and told them they had to leave. I got the frantic call from Edie. And uh, she said, something wrong, something wrong. So anyway, I jump out of bed, and I immediately run to the shower. I'm in the shower, and the next thing I know, I hear my son yelling, Dad! I went like this, and boom, I'm slammed against the door, and I fall down with a gun in my head. And they're like, where's Scotty Miller? And I'm like, Dad! That's all I'm doing is yelling. I'm scared, frightened to death. And then the next thing I hear is Mr. Miller with the, shirt, the shower curtain is jerked back. I've got a gun pointed at my head. Hold it right there. The screams from the little girls... Uh, who were at a pajama party with my daughter. There was four little girls there with my daughter, and of course, mayhem. There were about three men in my bedroom with huge guns. He followed us and wanted to watch us get dressed, and I tried to shut the door, oh, and he puts his foot in the door, like he's going to sit there and watch us change our clothes. Most and I was like, excuse on. me, no. My neighbors now are all standing out. Are you still naked? Well, I, they handed me a towel. At that point, I had a towel wrapped around me. Did the towel fit? Well, hardly. <laughs> hardly. At this point, I, you know, they were talking about weapons, and, you know, I mean, it's oh, yeah. crazy. I mean, oh, they're yeah. looking everywhere, going through all my drawers. And I, I reached for my underwear drawer to get some underwear. They said, don't touch it. They pulled it. They're, they're locking their guns up. They hold it right there. Don't move around. Don't move, move. I'm like, whoa. So just like to get some underwear on here, you know? I said, yeah, I got women standing here. They keep everything. How did you conduct your business if the IRS took everything? We had to do it out of a shoebox so we could keep going because we requested these things, and I'm told that the government's really not, once they do raid and so forth, they're supposed to at least let you, until you're charged with something, continue your business. This wasn't the case. They so, kept everything. So you were never even charged? Absolutely not. Charged with what? And when you speak IRS, the whole world shrivels up. The whole world gets fearful to a point where, let's not talk about it. I testified in front of Congress. I would like to know why this dark entity known as the IRS has come into my life and refused to leave. I raised my children with a zero tolerance for dishonesty. And now they must hear allegations that I am a major drug dealer and a tax cheat. A lot of people out there being abused. And a lot of people saying, look, I'll pay it. Just go away. Just go away. When all that happened, we had a file bankruptcy. We've had cars taken away from us. Um, kept my daughter from going to college. Do they ever think about the lies that they just destroyed? They think about the ruination of homes and property? No. In this case, we would have never thought this could happen to us. We've never done anything wrong. How can this happen in America when, in my case, personally, I thought that I was doing everything right. I've served my country. I've been to college. At least I've done something in my life. I got a speeding ticket one time. I paid my taxes for 40, 50 years, whatever it was. I've never been audited. What happened here? I had this really uncomfortable feeling in the pit of my stomach as I was thinking to myself, how did America transform itself from being a truly free country with a servant government where our individual rights were protected by our Constitution, to being a country that talked about being free, but really wasn't. The change started when the Federal Reserve came into existence, and America adopted one of the major planks of the Communist Manifesto by bringing to America the Central Bank. The very same people that backed the Federal Reserve system 
also backed the graduated income tax, a second plank from the Communist Manifesto. You know that the Federal Reserve is a private bank and not a government agency? No, I wasn't aware of that. It's a, it's a private bank? That would scare me quite a bit. What if you learned that the Federal Reserve makes money off the taxes you pay? How would you feel about that? Angry. <laughs> like I'm feeling right now. I would feel cheated by my government. I'd be angry. What are really you frustrating that we're paying money for something that isn't benefiting what? us in I any way whatsoever. Kind of sucks. They're pretty much in control of everything. I decided to drive back to Washington to see Dr. Ron Paul. He had been a congressman for over 20 years. I had met him previously in 1998 when I was running for governor of Nevada, and I knew him to be an honest and sincere man, and I thought he'd be very helpful in letting me know what the future holds for the American people. Who owns the Federal Reserve? It's secret, and we can't find out what's happening. So, But the Congress created it, and it's authorized in the Constitution. The government borrows money from a private corporation using the name federal that prints United States on it, and then it pays back to the Fed, which is owned by private banks. We don't know who all those private banks are. The money that the government is paying back to the private bankers is the money that comes from you and me. Why in the world would the American government borrow money and pay fees on it when it has the authority to make the money itself interest-free? The Federal Reserve is no more federal than Federal Express. I've never seen a full list of ownership for the Fed. I don't think anybody has. The government works for a private bank, and the private bank works for its owners. The true masters. People talk to me about you know, the issue of Republican versus Democrat, as if they don't get it. And I say, look, here's the way you get it. It's organized crime. All you do is you call the Republicans the Genoveses, and you call the Democrats the Gambinos. The people at the top, they treat it like a crap game, like it's their crap game, like they're making lots of money. Occasionally, somebody at the table shoots each other, but the moment anything threatens their crap game, they all unite to protect it. They're both controlled by the same financial, economic, and corporate interests. Once the banks get into the picture and they form a partnership with the government, the government gives them the legal power now to create bank-issued money backed by the coercive power of government to require everybody to accept that uh, bank money. In the course of the last century, they've converted this nation from a nation of independent freeholders to a nation of employees. And they're just one step away from being serfs. Most people spend the great bulk of their money for taxes, interest, and inflation. And all of that money goes to these two groups that comprise the cartel and their partner, the federal government. It's not a coincidence. So if Congress used its legal authority to shut down the Federal Reserve System, the American people would be much better off. Government should create, issue, and circulate all the currency. Creating and issuing money is a supreme prerogative of government and its greatest creative opportunity. Adopting these principles will save the taxpayers immense sums of interest and money will cease to be the master and become the servant of humanity. Abraham Lincoln. A young people today are conditioned from the, practically from the cradle on up to think that credit is a wonderful thing. You don't want to damage your credit. You want to do what you can so that you can go to the bank and get a good loan.
There are no, no people who own their own property, who own their own houses, who own their own business, who finance their own business. They're only debtors. The average young person today has no concept that he's being drawn into a web, a trap. <laughs> like he's in the feudalist system, only he's going to like it. He's going to think, this is wonderful. Yeah. I got my new red Corvette, and I'm in debt for the rest of my life, but I'm looking good. The decision was made. You know, let's get all the debt up, let's move the jobs abroad, and instead of re-engineering your skills, we're going to dumb down America, and so the middle class will disappear. Really what, uh, what most of the people in this country have become is uh, uh, food for the debt machine. When a person borrows money, it puts a noose around their neck and makes them servant to the lender, which is exactly what the Federal Reserve System is designed to do. That's right. And now our Congress, so dominated by the banks, is helping them to entrap people even further by passing new bankruptcy laws, making it more difficult for the people to declare bankruptcy and get a fresh start, right. while at the same time allowing the banks to charge very high rates of interest. This is the way the Democrats and Republicans, working with the banks, legally enslave the nation. Credit card industry is a huge political contributor. And unfortunately, Can a certain number that, of... It just seems so, uh, uh, like I say, just bald, you know, this idea that credit card industry gives a lot of money to the government so they will protect them even to the just abject uh, uh, disinterest of their own constituents. Um, well, that happens kind of a lot. The board of directors of the Federal Reserve System is chosen by the president from a list prepared by the bankers themselves. The process of finding a Greenspan replacement is ongoing and is being managed by a small group of people responsible for coming up with a list of nominees. It's important that whomever I pick uh, is viewed as an independent person from politics. If the American people ever allow the banks to control the issuance of their currency, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Thomas Jefferson. So the Federal Reserve is actually an illegal entity functioning within government. It's illegal, and what we have given to this so-called agency is the authority to counterfeit money. Do you have any points of view about the Federal Reserve and how the Federal Reserve operates? They just enter something on a computer. Oh, you need 20 billion today. Here's 20 billion, but they got that out of thin air. It came out of thin air, it goes to the Treasury, the Treasury then pays the bills. So it's no different than monopoly money. The cost of living is so high today because the Federal Reserve and the Federal Government have destroyed the purchasing power of the dollar. The dollar today is actually worth about four cents, despite the fact that the government, the Federal Reserve, and the media keep telling us that the value of the dollar. This is a lie. All countries who have ever attempted to create money on thin air, the currency is eventually destroyed. Why did we give a monopoly of creating money out of thin air to a private corporation? The result is exactly the same as if someone were picking your pocket every year, because that's exactly what they're doing. Originally, paper was re re a receipt which is used as evidence that the money exists. Over the 
years, of course, the government has disconnected the paper from the actual tangible substance, which is money. So now we have piece, a piece of paper which is evidence of nothing. nothing. In the past, people were able to take their receipts, the paper, to the bank and get the real money, the gold, in exchange for the receipt. This limited the amount of money that could be printed, thereby protecting the purchasing power of your savings. You don't have to worry. That's good, because I work three jobs, and I feel like I contribute. You work three jobs? Three jobs, yes. Uniquely American, isn't it? I mean, that is fantastic. In the absence of the gold standard, there is no way to protect savings from confiscation through inflation. There is no safe store of value. The gold standard is a protector of No, value. he's wrong on that. Alan Greenspan, before he went to work for the Federal Reserve System. Now Alan Greenspan and the other central bankers want you to believe that the receipt, the paper, is the real money. This is nothing more than sleight of hand. It's a magician's trick. Because for them to maintain control over the government and the people, they have to convince you that this paper is really money. Because that is the essence of their power and our powerlessness to maintain control over our own government. the law and they have all the guns, 
you know, it's an authoritarian approach. Well, yeah, but that's crazy. Yeah, that's authoritarianism. Yeah. That's not, that's not a country run by law. Do you think America is going deeper and deeper into becoming a police state? And if so, in what ways do you see that as a congressman? Yeah, I think we're moving in that direction because there's not much we can do without permission. The absence of a police state is that people are free, and if you don't commit crimes, you can do what you want. But today, you can't open up a business, uh, you can't develop land, uh, uh, you can hardly do anything. You can't go to the bank, you, you can't go to the doctor without the government knowing what you're doing. Uh, and uh, they talk about medical privacy, that's gone. Financial privacy, that's gone. Uh, the right to own property, that's essentially gone. So you have to get permission from the government from almost everything. And if that is the definition of a police state, that you can't do anything unless the government gives you permission, we're well on our way. Uh, this, is, uh, this is something that uh, people eventually, I hope, will get sick and tired of and say, you know, enough is enough. I sincerely believe the banking institutions having the issue of power of money are more dangerous to liberty than standing armies. Thomas Jefferson. You must understand the Federal Reserve is a cartel made up of the major banks in America, and they are the ones that are running the show, not the federal government. The powers that be behind the system, the financial interests, are able to exercise a disproportionate amount of influence on the, not only the economic structure of the country, but the political structure
to do this. American people expect us to protect them and protect their civil liberties. I'm going to do that. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. play that, I think, all the time, you know, these types of videos to wake people up. The microphone can hear me here. I have some trouble here, this one's... All right, here we go. Well, guys, you know, it's late. I figured I'd play the Federal Reserve for you. Uh, I mean, how about that, man? I mean, this is an old documentary. This is, uh, well, Aaron Russo, he passed away, actually, of uh, cancer. So God rest his soul. I mean, you know, he's a true patriot. Um, let me see, should I get the phone board here, see if anybody's on cue here. Oh, I can't know where the hell is my damn phone board at. I hope the show's still going. <laughs> Hang on a second here. Where the heck is the show link at? There it is. Oh, boy. Let's see here. There we go. Right. It's 657-383-0616. That was a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, documentary there, huh? What do you think, people? I didn't know I had anybody on here uh, listening or watching. Where's Ron Reck at? Where was your show at, Ron Recker? I was looking for your show, and I had to do Aaron Russo tonight. You see that? I had to get everyone's brains thinking. <clears throat> anyway, anybody want to make some comments on that late night? Or what do you want to do here? So, because uh, uh, that, that was pretty good. I mean, that was for Pianchi anyway. Pianchi suggested that, uh, that uh, I play that uh, documentary there. He, um... Aaron Russo's Freedom to Fascism. So, anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, how about the IRS, huh? Criminals, huh? Doesn't it make you angry? Now that, you know, I mean, if I go to a store tomorrow or something and they charge me taxes, I'm going to be pissed. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be freaking pissed. I'm going to read in the chat room here, guys, here real quick. I didn't know you guys were in the chat room talking. I don't know what the hell you guys are doing. Let's see here. Um, I'm about five of you in the chat room there. Oh, there he is. Just wanted to pop in. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Is uh, Ron Reck on right now? Is he on? Is he doing a show right now? I'm tired, man. I'm freaking... Uh, it's about that time of the month where I got to crash and pick up my... I got to be like a bear, you know? I got to go get my rest. So, uh, let's see here. Is he going to do a show? Joe, everyone went to Mixer, see. Oh, Mixer, huh? Why you went to Mixer? Why you guys going to Mixer, man? Shit. All right, you guys went to Mixer. All right, let's see, where's the Mixer? Um, went to Mixer, see my post above, okay. All right, there it is. All right, well, let me see if I can get over to Mixer then. I don't think I've ever tried going over to Mixer. I think I, may, I, think I did one time about three weeks ago when you did it. Ah. Uh-huh. Copy and paste that shit. Let me see if I can get over there. But yeah, man, that was, uh, I mean, I hope everybody listens to the whole freaking thing, man. You know, that was a good documentary. Pretty good. All right, let me see if I can get a mixer up here. Oh, we're on YouTube Live, too, by the way. Shit, I forgot about that. 
And we're on YouTube, too. Damn. Hold on. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's see. Let's get the mixer up first. See what we can do here. Because I can share the screen. The mixer isn't working. Why? Come on, man. This bullshit. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Let me see if I can get over the mixer with him. Maybe I have too many windows open? I don't know. Um, to share this tab. Alright. Okay. Come on, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening, mixer. mixer. Nothing is happening. I got a white screen here. And a little dot in the center just spinning around. Circle. That's about this. Well, what's going on? Share this. Share this tab and this time is no that's for me come on man nothing's going on here well, I'll try doing it in another window hang on do I gotta use Google Chrome or something or what's up with this go back to my freaking chat room here to look Ron I can't get in man I can't get in there Joe everyone wants to make sure I'm doing the, the uh, link there for the uh, mixer and it's nothing's happening try it again Trying to follow you over there, man. I'm, you know, do that like that. <sighs> nope, nothing's happening. So mixer's not working. I don't know. I'm not on Facebook no more. I got kicked off. I don't know. I can't get in there. I'm blocked. So I don't know. I can't get in there on Facebook. So I don't know what the hell's going on. And I've been on Facebook ever since it first came out, man. What do I got? I got the, all, all the friends you could possibly get. I got, what, about 10,000 supporters or something? Somewhere around there. You know, I, I don't know. But uh, I, I can't get on Facebook. I'm kicked out. They did that. So, for some reason, there's a two, uh, two, um, that two-way authentication thing or whatever. It calls your phone number. You know, when you put in your password, then it calls your phone number or something. And But the phone is calling. I haven't had that phone for a... <laughs> That phone's gone, so I can't, so I have no way to get logged in, so I uploaded my ID. And that was like two weeks ago or a week ago, so they haven't gotten back to me, so I guess I'm off, off Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter X. Um, I'm freaking getting tired here, so I don't know, I'm about ready to put the equipment up here and uh, bunker down in the bunker and crash for a couple of days. Let me see here. Well, Ron, hey, Ron, are you there? I can't get the mixer thing to work, and it's just, it's not doing nothing. It won't do nothing. So are you on there or what? All right, well, no, 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 not answer me. Are you in mixer? All right. All right, well, let's share the, um, go to here. All right, here we go. That was pretty good. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's see if there's any more playing on here. Oh, there's some more stuff to left to this, so let's play it. Go ahead, what the hell. 
RFID is a technology that uses RFID. computer chips the size of a grain of sand or even smaller, hooked up to miniature antennas to transmit information about items at a distance. Back in 1999, Procter & Gamble, Gillette, and MIT got together to find a way to commercialize this technology and make it small enough, make it efficient enough, and make it low cost enough to essentially their dream is to put one of these tiny uh, computer chips on every physical item manufactured on planet Earth. The latest technology for identifying people at the point of sale for identifying people when they make purchases is actually the implantable chip that you can actually embed directly into human flesh. Uh, it's a tiny glass capsule about the size of a grain of rice. It contains an RFID computer chip uh, with a coiled antenna, and it can transmit information also at a distance. Cool, man. I'm going to be chipped. Yeah. Can a microscopic tag be implanted oh, in a person's body to track his every movement. There's actual you discussion about that. that. You will rule on that. Mark my words before your tenure is over. Homeland Security folks, uh, the Department like of Defense Biden and today, others have uh, expressed an interest in being able to more closely monitor the U.S. populace. And one way to do that, of course, would be being able to determine who buys what and uh, where they take those things. She sounds like she's an RFID. Oh, she got chips shoved up her ass. Radio waves can travel through walls. They can travel through wood. They can travel through the things we normally rely on to protect our privacy. Uh, for example, your purse, your backpack, you your pocket, anything you're wearing or carrying. Kraft Philadelphia cream cheese has been tagged with RFID and sold to consumers, as have uh, Mach 3 razor products and other Gillette razor products, without the knowledge of the consumer. One of the tiny chips could actually even be the, the, the dot on the letter I on the back of the fine print on a package that you purchased. They were talking about having reader devices in every airport, on every bus, on every train, on every port, on every dock. One of the most worrisome applications of RFID are proposals to put them into cash, meaning that you would be able to track every banknote where it had been, who it had been issued to, and create, in essence, an audit trail. That would, that would um, essentially take away the anonymity of cash that we now enjoy today. The ATM machine itself, as the money was, came through the, the roller device, would be, would be reading each number. And they would know who you are because, of course, you identify yourself at the bank before you take money out. And down the road, when you go to pay um, at a major retailer, it would also be possible for them, as they're putting the money into the cash drawer, to simply feed it through a little reader device. It would go in, it would uh, tag that number and transfer possession from Aaron Russo, say, to Walmart. Once everything you do is tied down to a single number and there is no longer the ability to pay with cash, then all it takes to render you a non-citizen is to simply turn that chip off. You will no longer be able to really participate in any function in society, including by food. So through the implementation of the Federal Reserve System, the American citizen has gone from being a private individual who had real money, gold, in his possession that was private to a citizen who has no privacy because all money is now being digitized. They can deduct whatever amount of money they want out of your digits whenever they want. They can trace you whenever they want. You'll be at their mercy. God forbid we allow this to happen in America. This is absolutely Orwellian. I mean, it's talking about Big Brother looking over your shoulder at absolutely everything you do, every purchase you make, every place you go, um, every company you interact with, all of that would be reported back potentially to the government.
Santa Swords Free. This is Mary. May I take your order? Hi, uh, Mary. Yes, I'd like to order. This is Mr. Kelly? Uh, yes. Thank you for calling again, sir. I share your national identification number is 610-204-9998-45-54610. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. I see you live at 736 Montrose Court, but you're calling from your cell phone. Are you at home? I'm just leaving work, but I'm... Oh, we can deliver to Bob's Auto Supply. That's at 175 Lincoln Avenue, yes? No, I'm on my way home. How do you know all this stuff? We just got wired into the system, sir. Oh, well, I'd like to order a couple of your double meat special pizzas. Sure thing. There'll be a new $20 charge for those, sir. What do you mean? Sir, the system shows me that your medical records indicate that you have high blood pressure and extremely high cholesterol. Luckily, we have a new agreement with your national health care provider that allows us to sell you double meat pies as long as you agree to waive all future claims of liability. Uh-huh. Do you agree, sir? You can sign the form when we deliver, but there is a charge for processing. The total is $67 even. $67? Well, that includes the delivery surcharge of $15 to cover the added risk to our driver of traveling through an orange zone. I live in an orange zone? Now you do. Looks like there was another robbery on Montrose yesterday. Hmm. You could say $48 if you ordered our special Sprout Submarine Combo and picked it up yourself. Comes with tofu sticks. Those are very tasty, sir. Good value, too. But I want double meat. Well, I'm sure you can afford the $67, then. You just bought those tickets to Hawaii. They weren't cheap, eh? Oh. But I see you checked out the budget beach bomb at the library last week. Hmm. Up to you, sir. All right, all right. I'll get the sprout subs. Good choice, sir. Gotta watch that waist if you're hitting the beach, eh? 42 hey. inches. Hey. Wow. Man, I'd say tofu and sprouts is, like, required. That's how much? Just between you and me, there's a $3 off coupon in this month's Total Men's Fitness magazine. Your wife Betty subscribes to that, right? Anyhow, clip that and it's $19.99 even. Whoa, looks like you maxed out on all your credit cards. Bring cash, okay? Have we become so controlled and so ignorant about our rights that big institutions and big government can do whatever they want with us, Mm. even without our approval? I knew for certain the Founding Fathers would resist to the death what is happening in America oh, they're today. Gone. They're gone. And I, for one, will not accept a national ID card. And if nobody work. accepts a national ID card, and nobody can board a plane without one, then let the airlines go bankrupt. No. And if you can't open a bank account in a big money center bank, then open an account in a small local bank. And if we can't walk into a federal building, I personally would consider that a blessing. Don't allow these institutions to dictate to us they are. how we conduct our lives. Too late. We're already lost. This is America, and we have free choice. No, we don't. We, the people, have all the power. No, we don't. Not the government. Yes. Government gets its power from us. No, it doesn't. Not the other way around. Think of all the men and women who died in all our wars, fighting for freedom. What a shame. Not Federal Reserve bankers. Do you think they sacrificed their lives so that Americans could be chipped like a dog? Yes. So we could all have a homing device inside us? Yes. No. This ID card is the last step before they implant us. And that's precisely the reason nobody should accept one. And do you know what they're going to do? They're going to call in the propaganda machine, the media, and try and sell this as if it were in everybody's best interest. We're working on a product that we have called internally a PLD. PLD stands for Personal Locating Device, which is an implantable GPS for which our company owns a patent. The hybrid of the two of these products, being Digital Angel and Verichip, is what we call PLD. 
PLD should be in prototype form by the end of this year, by December of 2002, and we are already working with the Food and Drug Administration as well as legislative agencies with these products and ultimately with the PLD. We have a Florida family who are really pioneers in a brave new world. They have volunteered to be the first ever to have microchip identification devices implanted into their bodies. After 9-11, I was really concerned um, with the security of my family. I wouldn't mind having something planted permanently in my arm that would identify me. Talk about identification papers. Watch what happens to a woman in Florida whose license was suspended.
Anybody who trusts an electronic voting machine should have their head examined. Many of the voting machine companies are owned and operated by foreign agencies. That's right. Dominion, Dominion, Italy, right? Guy over in Italy, Dominion or something. Oh yeah. Now we can see a new world coming into view. A world in which there is a very real prospect of a new world order. The new world order will be built and end run on national sovereignty. Eroding it piece by piece will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault, Council on Foreign Relations. Oh, yeah. We shall have world government, whether or not we like it. That's right. The only question is whether world government will be achieved by conquest or consent. We'll obey. Paul Warburg, Council on Foreign Relations and architect of the Federal Reserve System. There's a group that get together internationally and they sort of play God with our money. You think that's part of what George Bush said was the one world order? They can't have a new world order uh, only with uh, you know, a world police uh, military. Right. I think the financial system ultimately is even more important than the guns. The central bankers of the world are working together to create a one world government. Yes, they are. A global police state as sinister as anything George Orwell ever wrote about where every person on the planet Earth will have an RFID chip implanted, where the bankers and the governments can monitor every transaction you make. A chip in everybody would be the universal monetary system par excellence, yep. uh, because there'd be no escape from it, and you'd be uh, totally under the control of those who issue the electronic impulses in that chip. Their strategies are being accomplished through the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, and the Bank for International Settlements, which is the central bank for all the central banks of the world. Most people don't have a clue that these unelected private bankers actually control the governments of the world. They have financed and profited from every war since World War I without concern for humanity. The war in Iraq is an attempt by the Federal Reserve and their partner, the Bank of England, to control the Middle East and to make it a part of the New World Order. To defend the New World Order, U.S. soldiers will have to kill and die. Arthur Schlesinger, Counselor on Foreign Relations. Military men are just dumb, stupid animals to be used as pawns in foreign policy. Henry Kissinger, Council on Foreign Relations. Now let's listen to this quote by Robert Reich, a member of President Clinton's cabinet and one of his most trusted advisors. The dirty little secret is that both houses of Congress are irrelevant. America's domestic policy is now being run by Alan Greenspan and the Federal Reserve. America's foreign policy is now being run by the International Monetary Fund. When the president decides to go to war, he no longer needs a declaration of war from Congress. Dr. Carol Quigley, professor from Georgetown University, who was also President Clinton's mentor, said in his book, Tragedy and Hope, 
The powers of financial capitalism had a far-reaching aim, nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. And then President Clinton, Deputy Secretary of State, Strobe Talbot, said, in the next century, nations as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority. Okay. All these supposed free trade agreements, NAFTA, GATT, CAFTA, are truly nothing more than the governments of the world and the central banks working together to create a one-world government. They are not free trade. These treaties are government-managed trade, and they are destroying the American worker. Through these treaties, the bankers are actually beginning to control the laws of the world. The fact is that this relationship between the bankers, the government, and the huge multinational corporations is the very reason why the government no longer enforces its immigration laws. The bankers want a one-world government without borders, and the American government is obeying them. If the government was so worried about terrorism, why are they leaving the borders open? But at the same time, telling American citizens they need an ID card with an RFID chip. Osama bin Laden could not come over here and limit your rights or my rights to free speech from search and seizure from all of these elements in the Bill of Rights. Impossible for him to do that. They could never accomplish that on their own. But through our government, they've apparently accomplished that. Look what happened in Europe. The people that voted down the European Constitution wanted each country to stay sovereign. Yet the private central bankers are pushing the governments forward to make this Constitution happen, even though the people voted against it and clearly do not want a world government nor one European government. attention to this quote by David Rockefeller, and you'll understand what is happening in the world today, and where the American people are heading as a nation. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But now, the world is more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries. David Rockefeller 
a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. 